so let's dive into our message today after that awesome uh, worship set that we just had. Each January, if you're new to our church, uh, each January we commit to following Jesus afresh. We kind of take that new year uh, idea and we, we commit to God again. And we do this by prayer and fasting. We have our 21 days of prayer and fasting. And those two aspects are both an engaging aspect and an abstaining aspect, aren't they? All right? We pray, and that's a spiritual act of doing. We're actually spending time in prayer. And then the fasting part is something we abstain. So we both do and not do in order to grow closer to God. And as a reminder, if you haven't been following along, we have a free ebook at lifecenter.org slash 21 days that you can download called Pray First. Pray First. And it will walk you through our 21-day journey with all the different things we're, we're going through. Now, uh, we're in week two of our fast. We're just starting that. For those of you that have been fasting along with us on all sorts of different levels. And a quick reminder on fasting, what we mean by that is this. Fasting is giving up something we love for someone we desire to be like even more. When we give up something that we do like in order to spend more time with someone we want to influence our lives so that we're more like them. And really, that's the only person we can do that with is God. And God, fasting isn't twisting God's arm to do something. We don't just fast and say, I'm going to deny myself to make you do something. When we fast, it's actually just turning our hearts towards him. We can't force God to do anything, but we can activate our faith by focusing on our relationship with God, building it through a time of prayer and of fasting. So we fix our focus on his presence in our lives, not on our perfection trying to live out this Christian life. It's his presence that we felt so sweetly this morning. That's what changes us. That's what holds us. That's what sustains us. That's what brings his kingdom. It's not our, our perfection. It's not our ability to do anything that's going to bring it about. God will bring it about with us or despite us. So don't worry. Today, we're going to be going through some things, and I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to ask you to come forward or do anything, but it is going to be a little bit of a participatory service. And so if you have your Bible, you're going to be welcome to open it and follow along. If you write notes, bring out your, take out your pen and take some notes. If you don't usually write notes, grab a pen from the seat in front of you and write out some things, because we're just going to walk through today's experience of, of uh, praying together. Something Chris Hodges says, uh, who's a pastor down in the States, I think is something that we can all apply in our lives, and it's this. The Word of God is one of the most valuable tools that we have to build a dynamic prayer life. It brings power, truth, and encouragement to our prayer time. And I hope that's true for all of us, and I hope that you can, you can dive into that as well. Well, these last two summers which is our first two summers in the area here. We've had planters in our backyard. The first year it was planted by the previous owner and then we've kept up that tradition. And we, they've been used to grow vegetables, mainly a lot of tomatoes. And I mean a lot of tomatoes. Uh, we could have had our own uh, tamatinia. Ever hear of that? That, that, uh, that 
they have this big festival in Spain where they take overripe tomatoes and they throw them at each other like snowballs. Right? And seriously, they take dump truck loads full of tomatoes and they just start throwing them, throwing them at each other. And now my kids have all sorts of great ideas, don't they? Yes. Well, if you've grown to- tomatoes before, you know that to help them grow and to keep the tomatoes safe, you put up, what, a tomato cage, right? Or you put up stakes, tomato stakes to go up to support the vines as they grow. Otherwise, they'll just sprawl everywhere on the ground, and there's a lot of loss in your tomatoes, isn't there? The tomatoes get crushed. They're easy to, too easy to step on, or bugs get that at them a lot easier. They can get diseased on the ground. There's all sorts of issues that happen if you leave your tomatoes just lying and the vines growing out on the ground. It doesn't, it doesn't help you at all to do that. So we use cages, right? And even with our cages... Uh, they sti- still seem to sprawl over the cage and out and going out of the planter box and everywhere. I'm not complaining, though, because that's uh, lots of delicious tomatoes for us. But not once have I confused the tomato steak or cage as a tomato. I haven't eaten one yet. I know, huh? Amazing, huh? So far, I've been successfully able to navigate the concept that the cage is separate from the tomato. That it's not actually part of the tomato. I've been able to not eat it. Pretty amazing of myself. And you may laugh at that, but if I change the metaphor a little bit, we may wince instead. Because in John 15, he says, he is the true vine. And we are the branches. Which makes sense, because life is in the vine, and then it flows to the branches. Yet what makes vines an interesting plant is that their stems require support, much like our tomato plants. Our faith needs structure in it to help it bear fruit, to not get diseased or trodden on. Yet we often seem content to try it without support. Sometimes we're even hostile to having a structure in place to try and help us live. Well, we may be familiar with a statement of beliefs of, of support for, or to support our faith and give it structure. Maybe we would check that out when we go to visit a new church that we may be trying to go to. None of you guys, because you're all here. I know that. But when you came here, you checked out our statement of beliefs to say, what kind of church is this? What do they believe? What structure holds them together? We may think of that, but we're less familiar with other structures that the early church had in their lives that were a part of helping them follow the way of Jesus. See, living in a specific way to be human in God's created world, we need that structure. In terms of our faith, we call those traditions. I'm not validating every tradition that's come out of the last couple centuries, but a number of hold merit for us to consider. Again, the structure isn't the source. No one is asking you to eat tomato cages or trellises or anything like that. Jesus is our source. Let me make that clear. But it helps us to grow, to be protected when we use structures in our lives to help us grow. And if we're honest with ourselves, we actually like structure. We actually crave structure. We thrive when we're we're given structure in our lives to help us focus our energy and our passion in the right ways. If we can can accept the structure of 
regular sleep patterns, regular diet patterns, and uh, regular exercise, if we can accept those as regular things that we need in our physical body to, to do well, we would be uh, remiss if we did not think there'd be spiritual benefits to structures in our lives. And as long as the structures are support and not the actual life. Saying something like this, like, I didn't get my prayer time in this morning. Ah, oh, now my whole day is going to be off. There's no way it's going to go great because I, got, I missed my prayer time this morning. Now what am I going to do? I, I just know today it's going to be terrible. Are you limiting God to your 15-minute devotional time to set your day right? We don't want to do that at all, do we? That's not, that's, that's taking structure and putting structure in the place of the actual fruit that God has for you, that Jesus has for you, that he wants to be for you. When you say the structure that I put in my, in my life is what I'm dependent on in order to actually have that fruit. We don't want to do that. But if you were to say, you know, wow, it's been a couple of months since I actually had a regular devotional life. Maybe there's an issue there where there's not enough structure in your life to keep you on track. And maybe your structure can help. If you're taking notes today, you'll see that as we go through, we're going to refer to uh, the structure that we're talking about today as, as uh, steps. And if you want to, you can just follow along with those steps to make sure that as this week goes on, you can try it out yourself. And the first one is this, step one. When you're in your time with God, select a passage of Scripture for reading. Just pick something that, that is on your heart to read. And today, for our practice together, for our, our time together, we're going to read Psalm 51, verses 1 to 13. So you can follow along in your Bible, but it'll also be up on the screen. But before we do that, as we enter a time just to listen and hear from God, it's a good practice just to, just to relax ourselves in God's presence to hear from God, to reset ourselves to focus on Him. So the first thing we can do is just breathe in and then breathe in. We breathe in expectancy in God and then we breathe out any distraction. Now let's read the passage together. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take 
not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. So as it is read out loud again, we're going to read it a second time. What we want to do is we want to ask the Holy Spirit to draw our attention to a word or a phrase or something within it that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us specifically about. So again, we're going to read the same passage and focus on letting the Holy Spirit direct you to a word or a phrase. Hear me, or sorry, have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that have, you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. The third step is to meditate on that word or phrase that the Holy Spirit drew your attention to. And we shouldn't be put off by this idea of meditation, of stopping pausing and meditating on it. In Psalm 10:34 we see it say may my meditation be pleasing to him as a rejoice in the Lord. God finds our meditation on him pleasing. Or in Psalm 1 verses 1 to 3, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners, take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. There's, there's blessing in meditating on God's word and contemplating God's word. Our meditation is pleasing to God. Why? Because our meditation is a form of rejoicing in him as we focus on the meaning and depth of what God has to say. 
And the focus of meditation in praying scripture is not to theologically deep dive into biblical passages, but viewing them with Christ as the key to its meaning. For example, when reading uh, Jesus' statement in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, an analytical approach would be to focus on the reason for that statement during the, uh, the Last Supper and why he said that and the approaching crucifixion and all those things. We would want to deep dive into that. But in praying scripture, however, what we do is we enter into that statement and we share the peace of Christ rather than dissecting it. There's time for deeper studies and enjoying that, but we were talking about a daily structure, a daily practice that can last from 10, 25 minutes in our day, something that can help us grow in God. So in meditation, how is God speaking to you through that word or phrase that he gave you? Is there an invitation that he's given you? Is there a call Is there a a memory that surfaces of something that needs to be resolved? What image comes to mind when you heard that passage spoken twice? What feelings are evoked that God is prompting in you? Take some time to allow God to speak to you about that. Through his word, notice that God is speaking to you personally about your life right now. Through words that he was spoken to, another audience originally. The next step, step four, is to respond to God. Pray that word or phrase back to God. What was he speaking to you? Pray that back to him. If it's an action that you need to do, or if it's a repentance that you need to do, if it's something there, pray it back to God. Invite him to make you more like Jesus, to give you the strength to surrender or to obey, or to follow, or to be whatever Jesus is inviting you to be. Respond to him. Then the fifth step is to still yourself. After you responded, just pause. It's amazing how long 30 seconds can feel. Pause. Remind yourself that he is the vine, that you are the branch. Be still and know that he is God. Remember the sport structure is helpful, but it's not your source. God is. On your own, start with that 30 seconds. Pause. See if you can build it out to two minutes of just pausing before God. And as you practice praying scripture this week, make sure to give yourself the tools that can help you make the experience work. 
And some people like to journal as they go through it. The words or phrases that God has highlighted, they write them down with that scripture and think through, or maybe you script out their prayer response to God that God had spoken to them. Others, they don't do that. They just like to abide in it, and it's just a remnant of it resonates with them, and they trust God that will be, will be faithful to speak it to them like an echo again and again what they need to remember and hear to that. Or you can be like all the kids these days, sending yourself voice memos of what you'd like to hear, what God spoke to you so you can play it back to yourself. But do what you need to do to hear God's word spoken to your heart, and then you respond to it. So this practice began as early as the third century with Origen, who was a scholar and a theologian of ours in Christianity. The early church called this practice Lectio Divina, or divine prayer, which is just a contemplative prayer based off of our divine scriptures. It's quite different than the tabernacle prayer that we looked at last week, but it's another way to develop a prayer structure, something that isn't dependent on your feelings or your prayer list. If you're having trouble diving into prayer and you feel like your prayer is empty and you just don't know how to reach out to God or hear from God, maybe practice praying scripture, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to you through his word. In the next seven days, just try it out. Whatever you do devotionally reading right now, add praying scripture in as a way to connect with God, for you to speak to him and for him to speak to you, which is the essence of prayer. Maybe if you feel heaven's been silent, this will be a way for you to begin hearing and for you to be with Jesus once again. Let's pray. God, we truly do want to be people who hear your word and do your word people who hear what your word has to say to us and then live it out. God, we do believe that your, your word is inspired, is holy, is our instruction for living, is you revealing yourself to us. And as we, re we read your word, you reveal yourself to us. So may in our personal time, in our corporate settings, may your word be that bedrock in which we learn about you, discover you, grow in you. We thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, that you were the word that became flesh. And as we be still in your presence, God, may you speak and may you change us. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.